What is up? Happy Monday. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for downloading and listening today. If you want to get in touch with me, I am on Twitter and Instagram when Instagram is working at primetimekline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music for today's show provided by Waste Talent. Find them on Instagram at Waste Talent. There are X's where the A's would be. So, that kind of was disappointing, and to the Blue Jays season, it's going to be a lot of Blue Jays focus today, more football stuff will be coming up on Friday, um, as the, the focus was on the Toronto Blue Jays, and that's going to be where the focus is today. It's a disappointing end to the season for the Blue Jays, uh, to, to come that close. Honestly, I was thinking about it, this is probably the most disappointed I've been after a regular season in my time as a Blue Jays fan, because as I've talked about before, there's all those discussions about... Um, like 2015 and 16, there wasn't really a race in that, right? And then you look at any other time before, they just weren't close enough. This is the closest they have been without getting in, in my time as a Jays fan. And it's, it, it sucks. It, it was really, to, to have it go down the way it did, where it was basically down to the final batter of the game, uh, final, final batter, sorry, of the season, it sucks. Uh, so from a Blue Jays fan perspective, it's tough, but I'm not a huge moral victories in sports guy, but I do think in this case there are quite a few of them from a Blue Jays perspective. That this is absolutely a learning and growing experience for everyone in this Blue Jays team. You look at the the slump they had in August, which eventually costs them, right? Like no one was hitting. Um, they make some sloppy plays defensively that cost them a couple of games against the Tigers, one at the Rogers Center, one out in Detroit. And like, again, there's your season right there. Simeon can make a throw to first and Josh Palacios isn't playing center field for a major league baseball team. Then all of a sudden the Blue Jays are into the postseason. But I, I also think that it's a learning and growing experience. Again, for the players, they now know a lot of those young kids now know what 162 games is like and what a playoff race is like and what it takes to have your best game on a night in night out basis. I also think this is a learning experience for Charlie Montoyo. And if I'm being perfectly honest, um, the reason that the Blue Jays aren't playing today, I kind of put on him. Um, and that's for early in the season. I, I think that better bullpen management early in the season and this team is in a playoff spot. And they they miss out by one game. It is easy to, to point fingers at a number of different things. Like, you can go down the list. If Springer is healthy for one extra game, if Laddie's struggles don't last one game in that little brief stretch, um, it, again, Simeon makes a throw, Bo Bichette, had, like, all of them, um, you can kind of do a lot of finger pointing when it's just one game. But an incredible season, and I don't want to, to make it seem like, oh yeah, they're all dog shit. Don't know how they got to 91 wins and a plus 183 run differential. Because um, that's not the case. This was a spectacular team all season long. But I do think Charlie Montoyo, when you look at the organization as a whole... And, okay, what can be improved on? I think the bullpen is probably the weakest spot, and then I do think it's the manager. And I think a, a lot of his issues came when it came to managing a bullpen that was struggling. And I think there was a lot of trying to build trust in guys that weren't ready for that level of trust. And I think a lot of that happened... Um, out in the field as well, like with Josh Palacios, with George Springer kind of hobbling through things. Now he ends up turning it on. And the fact that he got to 20 home runs should have you very excited for next season. But 
I, I think if Charlie Montoya is a better manager at the beginning of the year, this is a playoff team. And I think he got better as the season went along. And part of that is it's easier to manage a bullpen when Ryu's going seven, Ray's going seven, Barrios is going seven, Manoa's going seven. It's a lot easier to only figure out a bullpen for three innings instead of eight, which was happening in the early part of the season. So overall... We're going, to get, we're going to get into what is next, but th this was so much fun to watch from a Blue Jays fan perspective. And there's been a lot of years where we could say, ah, oh, well, that was fun. Wasn't it like a couple years ago? They got their teeth kicked in a lot, but it was still kind of fun to see that the kids come up. And like 2006, it was fun to see Troy Gloss hitting home runs into the fourth deck and all of those types of things. Team didn't win worth a shit, but it was fun to watch it. Um, so this was, this was a blast. And I do... I do think that this is only the beginning for this team, but I do want to caution against the, ah, these guys will be back, it'll be fine. I, I do believe that is true, but again, these things aren't linear. The 2014 New York Mets, Cindergaard, Matt Harvey, um, Jake DeGrom, yeah, Stephen Matz on that team. This is a young starting rotation that is set forever. This is a done, this Mets team will be back. And they weren't. Was that 14 or 15? I think it might have been 15. I might have that screwed up. Either way, yeah, because 14, 14, the Royals lost to the Giants, 15, they beat the Mets. Yeah, so the 15 Mets. Sorry, my apologies. Because um, it would have set up a weird Cindergaard versus the Blue Jays thing, which would have been hilarious. But uh, either way, I'm rambling now. Um, sorry, the 15 Mets. Either way, that looks like a, a team that is set up for a dynastic run. The Cubs, dynasty. Um, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber. Um, Jake Arrieta is a Cy Young winner. John Lester is in the back part of his peak. Y you have this team that is set up for forever. None of those guys play on that team now. They get a World Series, which again, I'm never going to say, well, they only won one, but that thing only lasts five years, which by today's standards, probably a dynasty, but still the, these things don't just last forever. And even look, one of the ones that I was thinking about was the Cincinnati Reds. I remember at the, I think it was the early 2010s where, like Joey Votto and Brett Phillips, like this is a lineup that you're just never going to get out. And they were a playoff team and they were close in a couple DS. They might've even made an LCS, but it, it was, it was like, okay, maybe this is a team that is going somewhere. And then it just fell off a damn click, uh, cliff, sorry, right away. From a fan perspective, like it's, it's, it's fine for us to be like, yeah, this is a learning experience. This team will be back. That should not be the mindset of this front office. And a lot of people like to, to shit on this front office, the whole Shatkins thing, because we're so fucking clever. All of that happens and everyone like likes to make fun of him. I think this front office has done a fantastic job over the last couple of years. And you could start to see, like they did some things well, but they never really went for the big swing. Now they've gone for the big swing and I think they've hit it out of the park on quite a few of them. So for Toronto now, it can't just be, well, we'll just, the, the, the improvement is going to come with the development of our young players. Because realistically, I, again, I don't want to be a downer here, but realistically, there is a chance that was the best year of Vlad and Bo and Gurriel's career, right? Like, Vladdy could win the MVP this season. At worst, he is going to finish second. Bo had a, a like, just go on down the line. Gurriel had a phenomenal September. And th there is a chance that this is just the beginning and these guys are going to be the elite excuse me, of the elite for seasons to come. And I do think that's true, but I also don't think it's crazy to assume that there might be a bit of a step back. So I think the important thing for the Blue Jays now is to build around this core while you still can. We have heard always from this team, when the time is right, we are going to be, we are going to be spenders. And to be fair, they have. 
Springer and Simeon last offseason. Ryu, the year before that, during the season, they go out and get Jose Barrios in a, a big move. And they were aggressive early trying to adjust, or trying to address that bullpen. Like, they got Simber in, like, May. It ends up being too little too late for the rest of the bullpen. But still, th this is a front office that has spent. But they're going to have to spend again. Because Vladdy is now into our, his arbitration years. He's going to be making a bit. Bo Bichette will be next year. The team is going to get pricier and pricier. And I think now is the time to try to go land those free agents. And it's easy for me to say that for an organization that had three home ballparks. Two of them weren't major league parks. And then when they got at home, when they got home, they were only able to sell... 15,000 tickets. This is not an organization that was bringing in money hand over fist over the last two seasons just to say, well, just go out and spend. Might be asking a bit much for for the the, the team. And again, the, the 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 group that owns the Blue Jays spent a whole lot of money on trying to, I think it was Shaw, uh, some kind of merger with Shaw, but this is also a Rogers thing that cut my ass who was making 50 grand a year. So, the, the times are tough for everyone. We all know this. But I, I do think that if this team is able to build on this momentum into next year, then you make that back. Because I, I think this is a team that if they are able to kind of bring it back next year, and if they are able to bring in maybe another piece you might be able to get back to the, like, 1991, we're getting 4 million fans a season type of a thing for the, the Toronto Blue Jays. And that that's where, this is where it has to be an investment instead of a, oh, look at all this money we have, let's go spend it on stuff. But the, the two biggest ones that they're going to have to try are with Ray and with Simeon. And the, the debate is going to be which one is more important. I, I don't think one is dependent on the other, and if they sign Ray, they can't sign Simeon or vice versa. I know it did like literally play out that way this last offseason where they kind of planted their flag on George Springer, and because of that, they couldn't get Liam Hendricks. Um, which, I, how good would that have looked now? But for the, the Blue Jays, the, the focus is going to be on Ray and Simeon. So let's take a look. Um, the debate, like I said, the debate is going to be which one is more important. So let's look at both groups without either of them. If you lose Simeon, that is almost 50 home runs out of the lineup. And I think a veteran presence that would be greatly missed on this team from a moving the puzzle pieces around standpoint, you could like, there's a bunch of infielders who are free agents this year. You could try to get a Trevor story and move him to third or try to get uh, Javi Baez and have him play at second. Like you can try go try to go out and find one of those guys, but just for the purposes of this exercise, just with what the Blue Jays have now, you would probably put Biggio at either second or third, and then piece together the other one the same way you've been piecing together third base this year without Biggio, where you have Espinal, Valera, and others there. Not the worst thing. Like we talk about, might see the best season ever from one of those guys. I'm. I would put quite a bit of money on the fact that we've seen the best season from Espinal. I still think he is a valuable member of this Blue Jays team, but I don't think going forward he projects as an everyday guy. I, I think if the Blue Jays are going to be... I think gun to their head, Blue Jays would love to see Espinal as their utility infielder next year instead of everyday starting position player. If you lose Ray... Your rotation is Ryu, Barrios, Manoa, and then two question marks. Because Mats is a free agent as well, and I would imagine, coming off of the best season he's had in a while, that he's going to want to look to cash in. That top three, though, is legit. If you can get anything from Pearson, that would be amazing. 
but I'm not holding my breath on that one. So now you have to find a couple of starting pitchers to fill that spot. You also have to look at what's more repeat, uh, repeatable. For Simeon, all of this, and you look at the underlying numbers, all of it looks extremely similar to 2019. And I think it's very clear now that 2020 was just a weird outlier season. And it's pretty easy to see why with everything that was going on in the world at that time. Um, I think it's easy to see why someone would kind of stumble in the year 2020, but nothing in the underlying numbers, nothing in the overlying numbers, like nothing that he did looks unsustainable. Is he going to hit 50 home runs next year? I would bet against it, but he, everything that he did, it seems like he can do pretty well. For Ray, if you look at some of the underlying numbers, there's, a, there's probably going to be a bit of regression, but I think there's a real chance that this is just a guy who has had potential for forever, and this is an organization that finally harnessed it, which is obviously a positive for him, but I also think it's one of the reasons why, if you have to pick one, I think it's Simeon. You look at the past success of, uh, of Simeon, and this is just what he has done. Um, to a grander scale for sure. But again, like I said, nothing that he did seems like it is out of the ordinary. And if the blue, if I'm the Blue Jays and I have to go shopping to try to find someone to, to repeat what one of these guys have done, understanding that one of them is getting MVP votes and the other one is potentially going to win the Cy Young this year. I think if I'm going shopping to try to find a replacement, I'm banking on Pete Walker, who got best case scenario out of Ray. He got best case scenario out of Steven Matz. And I think he's been able to do that out of a bunch of guys. Like, I, I think one of the reasons why Joe Biagini got a couple of extra contracts in the major leagues is because of the work that Pete Walker did with him. I think Pete Walker is one of the best pitching coaches in the league. And if I'm the Blue Jays, I am kind of banking on, again, if I have to, I'm banking on his ability to get that again out of a Danny Duffy or potentially a Marcus Stroman or one of the, the other guys who might be a bit more of a bargain on the, the free agent market. Not that I think Stroman's going to be a super bargain. I think he's probably still going to get his. But I, if I'm the Blue Jays, that's kind of the bet I'm making if I absolutely have to. The issue next is how likely is it that they will sign, right? Like we can talk about, well, it's one or the other, that the next one is realistically, how how realistic is it that this that these guys can sign? And you can, you can come up with cons on both sides, right? Like you can come up with reasons for both to leave. For Ray, he lit it up in the American League East this year. Think of what he could do with the Tigers in the Central or the Angels in the West. Simeon, when he broke the second base record, he stated he views himself as a shortstop. The Blue Jays have one of those. Now, Bo seems rather attached, and I'm sure that they could work something out, but that comment did kind of raise a, oh, shit, okay. And it is in our nature as Canadian sports fans when the, the lone Canadian team in the league has a guy who voices even a little bit of displeasure, it is in our nature to just absolutely panic right away and the sky is falling and well, that this is the end of everything now. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Because honestly, I could see both of them re-signing. Maybe this is Blue Jays colored glasses, but you look at that clubhouse, that looks like just a fun place to be. And you look at the atmosphere at the Rogers Center, you can see how crazy that place is, even with just 30,000 fans there. And I think that's quite a bit of a, a selling point. And also for Simeon and Ray, those are two guys who the Blue Jays just kind of, I don't want to say picked off the trash heap, but kind of did. And... You can say, hey, look, like we we believed in you when no one else did. Here is some financial compensation for that. Please, oh, please, oh, please remember 
how much we helped you and also how much you helped us. And Simeon, um, I don't know if it was yesterday or if it was uh, earlier this morning, but I saw a clip from him saying, yeah, we had the best lineup in the league. And by the end of the season, I thought we had the best pitching staff in the league. So why would I not want to be a part of that? So that kind of made me <sighs> a little bit. And also from a financial standpoint, the Blue Jays have $64 million committed to next season. They have a couple of arbitration cases that will definitely bump those up. Teoscar Hernandez is going to get paid. Vlad Guerrero Jr. going to get paid. The Dan Jansen one will be interesting, but they still, you're probably not going to have to pay Vlad what the market would suggest you are. So that there is an opportunity here to still spend while Bo and Vlad are on significantly cheaper contracts. So I, I do think that there is a real possibility that the Blue Jays will be able to keep both of those guys around. So if they do do that, or if they don't, where does the improvement come? Because there's still a couple of steps that this team needs to take, right? 91 wins is fantastic. Needed 92 this year. And Boston probably isn't going to get worse. The Yankees never get worse. And Tampa Bay just has some weird thing where uh, it's actually in the CBA that they have to get to at least 95 wins. So with all that working against them, Toronto does need an improvement. And I can already hear anyone listening to this screaming, bullpen. And I think you need to address that. There are big names available in free agency, but all of them are kind of over the hill types like um, Familia and Kenley Jansen and Craig Kimbrell. Like there are big names that you can, uh, Brad Hand, which that worked out well. Um, there are big names out there. I, I would caution against just thinking, oh, well, Kirby Yates can come in next year because we're further and further removed from all-star level Kirby Yates. You know you have a couple of guys, and bullpens can be weird, right? We thought back in 2014, the Blue Jays, well, they got Steve Delabar, so that take care, takes care of it, and then he was DFA'd by, like, June. Um, bullpen guys, when you're only dealing with, like, 50 innings a season, it's tough to really get, okay, well, we absolutely know this guy is locked in 100%, but Romano looks like the real deal, and that was a great bounce-back year for Tim Meza, but this is an organization that absolutely has to address this bullpen in a real way this year, not just a Tyler Chatwood or anything else like that. Like this, that there needs to be some legit arms in that bullpen when this team gets back to to spring training in February. If we're looking at other moves that this team could make, I would be in favor of trading Randall Grichuk. If for nothing else, he stepped on Lourdes. Um, but he was pinch hit for in late game situations by Brevik Valera. Um, that is not what you want from a guy who's making $15 million. He has an on-base percentage under 300. If you can get someone to just take that money, I think that frees you up to be quite a bit more aggressive. And you, you look at other teams that might want him, it, it would be teams in kind of the, maybe looking to take a next step, want an adult in the room with our young players. I, I think he would fit that mold pretty well. And if you have a, a young team that's been crappy for a little bit, you can put them on tickets and stuff like that. And it's, oh, hey, we have a guy. I'm not the biggest Grichuk fan, and I think you could find a fourth out. Honestly, I think they have one. Uh, if they could keep Dickerson around, I think that would help because I think he was extremely valuable for this Blue Jays team. As far as other trades go and trade chips that the Blue Jays have, I would be a little surprised if they came into next season with the three catchers that they have. And to be perfectly honest, like I... Uh, there are reasons to love them all, and there are reasons to get rid of them all. Um, but I, I do think that if there is some trade value there, you could do that. They have a young kid coming up, um, or Elvis Martinez. You could maybe work him. And I do wonder about Kevin Biggio's availability if this team is able to keep Marcus Simeon. Go trade him for a couple of arms or something like that and really take this team to the promised land. Overall, this was a major positive season for the Toronto Blue Jays. There is absolutely no question 
about that. But now, work is needed to take this team to that next level. It is very difficult to go from rebuilding to in the playoff race. It might be even more difficult, given where the Blue Jays are, to go from playoff contending team to legit contending team and this off or this off season is going to go a long way in figuring out if this Blue Jays team can actually do that. Some quick hitters from elsewhere in the major leagues that I, I am looking for. I'm interested to see what happens in San Diego. There's some rumors that the manager could be gone. I I'm not sure about that. I'm not a huge fan of him anyway. Like I I think with the core that they have, they can go out and kind of get a a big name coach to, to come in. Now, don't go get Tony Larusa, but I do think that there can be an upgrade at the coaching spot. But I don't think that this is all coaching. Like this was a team that had a ton of injuries. They spent big and injuries hurt this team, but that's still a collapse. Like that's when, when you have one of the most exciting and one of the best players in baseball, like that September just can't happen for San Diego. Uh, ditto for the Mets. I know that they had a bunch of injury issues, but they spent big last offseason and there are expectations with come with that come with that, and the Mets didn't even come close to that. Other teams that I'm looking to, to see what they do this offseason. I'm interested in Detroit and Seattle. There's a lot of positives to build on for both of those organizations coming into this season. And now I wonder if they open up the pocketbooks to try to take that next step. I would imagine the Phillies will be big in free agency as well. I think they'll be looking um, at some pitching. And for the love of God, the LA Angels need to get some starting pitching. I would almost be willing to sacrifice Robbie Ray to the Angels just to get that team into the playoffs because we just need Mike Trout in the playoffs. We need Shohei Otani in the playoffs. We need that team to be good. So there are... A lot of questions already going into baseball's offseason, and we haven't even got to the fun part yet as the playoffs get going tomorrow. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram, at Wasted Talent, with X's where the A's would be. Also find their producer on Instagram, at Tommy Fresh Music. So with all that baseball watching, didn't get a ton of football watching it, which is to say none. Um, the, the focus this week for me was on the, uh, the the Blue Jays and was on baseball. So going to go hard uh, on the, the NFL this week. So a couple of interesting results just going through box scores and whatnot. Uh, and we'll start with the Sunday Nighter. As I keep seeing everyone saying, you know what, they lost, but this could be a passing of the torch moment for Mac Jones. And I, I want to get a look at it, and I know I'm not coming in as a completely neutral observer, because I've been kind of hard on the, I don't think this guy's very good thing, but I don't know if 275 yards in the rain against one of the worst secondaries in the NFL tells me that a dude is, has arrived. I'm not quite at that point with him just yet, but I, I want to see how that one looked. Cause that game was a lot closer than I was anticipating it being the Cardinals. I wonder if they're for real now, same thing with the Dallas Cowboys. Those are two pretty good wins this week for those teams. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see, just see what that looked like in the, in those games against the, the Rams and the, the Carolina Panthers. And I, I don't need to watch Saints against the Giants to know that I'm just never going to have this Saints team figured out. It's, it, it is going to be one week to the next. We have no idea what's going on with the Saints. And I might be in that same boat with Seattle as well. Moving into some fight news before we close the show today, it's announced that Dustin Poirier 
is going to be the next title challenger at 155 pounds as my laptop, laptop tries to take a dive. Um, yeah, Poirier challenging uh, Charles de Bronx at 100, uh, 155 pounds. 185 pounds would be an interesting fight. Um, I think that this fight is bigger for the belt than it is for Poirier. Like, I, I think in terms of the importance of this fight for these guys, it goes... I think it's huge for the actual title belt. I think it's huge for Oliveira. And then it's big for Poirier. Poirier has a ton of momentum after back-to-back -back wins over Conor McGregor and has an opportunity to be the next guy at 155 pounds. And we haven't really had the biggest draw also be the champion at 155 since Khabib won the title because Khabib was a dominant force and people knew about him, but we all know that the draw at 155 pounds was Conor McGregor. Um, and now you're looking at it, Charles Oliveira, a very worthy champion. No doubt about it, he is a worthy champion, but he's not the draw at 155 pounds. That's Dustin Poirier. And so now to have Poirier fight, you hope that whoever wins this comes away with that shine, whether it's Oliveira who gets the, the Poirier dust sprinkled on him, or if it's Poirier just getting to that next level and now he is the champion and he is the biggest draw at 155 pounds. I'm a little surprised we've seen Poirier kind of dip out of the limelight as much as he has, as much as he has, but I imagine he is going to be everywhere in the lead up to that fight coming up in December. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Initial prediction, I would pick Poirier, but I'm looking forward to, to getting deep into the film and breaking this one down. That's going to do it for Couch Potato Diary today. Thank you all very much for tuning in. You can get a hold of me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. Email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music that you hear is from Wasted Talent. Check out their producer on Instagram, at Tommy Fresh Music. Other podcasts from me, every Wednesday morning, we had no idea. We had to break it up into two parts this week because of technological failures, but really happy with how they both turned out, so check that out. We had no idea. You can find that show on Instagram at We Had No Idea Podcast. Also, the Thursday Sports Rundown podcast um, that I am on on the Fresh Take Network, week one. A lot of fun. We'll see what happens with week two. That is it for me. Thank you guys very, very much. And I will talk to you later this week. I'm out.